on my mother. There we go. All right, so <laughs> welcome to On My Mother, the live show. I am Adriana. And I'm Tasha. I think you did great. So I'm not going to add nothing to it. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and get this, this thing out the way with uh, this poem. All right, so a little backstory to this poem. Um, I got one son, Cairo. Yay. And um, I wrote this. I wrote this a couple months after when I was going through like postpartum and like everything that comes with that. I don't even want to revisit it because it was traumatizing. Either way, um, yeah, so that's when, I, that's when I wrote it. So, here it goes. So it's Monday, May 8th, Mother's Day, 11.30 p.m., and I haven't had adequate sleep since May 9th. I don't really know anymore what the comfort of the middle of my mattress feels like, what it's like to get in the bed and fall asleep. And now that I think about it, I actually haven't slept since March. That's when the trouble really started. I don't know what it's like to sit and watch a full movie. I don't know what it's like to eat with both hands anymore, what it's like for people to call for just me, what it's like to get myself dressed. I don't know what it's like to wear jeans anymore, but I know what it's like to be a mother. It was Mother's Day, like early in the day, breathe in for and let out for, because today is the day I'm gonna give birth and go through my worst pain, do you know what it's like to be pregnant with something? Now I see why my mom prays so hard because you know it's there and growing, you just gotta hold on and have faith. You know what it's like to be sick, pregnant, and have to go in for an eight hour shift. Yeah, the chains broke, but still there's the field mentality. I'm a woman, so it's the natural thing. You know what it's like for your pelvic floor to have so much pressure that you cry when standing. When my mama had just started praying, I understand why my grandma kept praying. Because even though I can't see the end, even though it felt like God don't see me, when it feels like he doesn't hear me, even though I don't know when it's coming, I don't know when the door will open, but I'll stand in the hallway and praise. I don't know when the rain will pass for the, for the right now, I'll dance in the rain. You know what it's like to lay there helpless, numb from the hip to your feet. You can't even pee on your own, having someone flip your body, everything right there on the table. Now I see why sometimes the black men in my family felt frustrated because even when they want to open up, when they want to say not today, but everyone in the home depending on you to be the strong one. Still being blamed for when Eve ate from that tree, forcing apples down our throats, my plate craving extra weight, body bleeding once a month for the gain of a seed for some men who don't even claim. You know what it's like to be in postpartum when it's like to wake up and not be able to walk, your hormones change, you can't sit by yourself, stand by yourself, turn into bed, but your baby is in the NICU, so every day I would pick myself up. Now I see why my auntie don't measure when cooking, but it still comes out good. So it's 9.46 p.m. May 9th, and my life changed forever. And to my son, I will carry you as far from that field as I can. Just because we learn about it doesn't mean we have to stay in it. But promise me you carry your sisters with you. Someone has to do it. So, yeah, I wrote that. And, um, but yeah, uh, postpartum was rough. It was tough. But I've, I've read somewhere where they said it takes two years for a woman to heal. And I was like, oh my gosh, my son is about to turn one and I have a whole nother year of getting myself back together. And I mean, seriously, when I think about that, I'm like, two years. I mean, that's, that's really three years because nine months felt like five years to me, but whatever, nobody's gonna talk about it. But, I, but you see what I'm saying? Like, I don't think you ever like go back. You don't think so? No. 
I, I would never, I'm not Tom, the same person Tom, I was before I had my kids. You gotta hold it here. Yeah. Okay. I don't think I have ever like gone back to like the person I was before I had my kids. I think like, I mean, I feel like every year I get a new kid. Like, cause like their personalities change, like their likes change, like, especially with my oldest, because I'm so used to having like a baby and he's six now. So he's not a baby. He's like a kid. Yeah. Which is weird. And I've never had a kid before. Mm -hmm. So like, I can't like, I don't think I can go back. Like I have to progress. I'm like, I have to grow up with my kids. Right. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Like, yeah. I really, I really so do. I just like, do. you just have to navigate it differently. Like, yeah. I have to learn how to have a kid. Never had a kid before. And then you have to learn how to have a teenager. So. Right. Like, I feel like, every, and like when he's, like you said, like when he's 12, about to be 13, that's going to be a whole nother kid. And I'm really not ready for that. <laughs> I did not sign up for a teenager. But like, that's going to be a whole nother kid. When he's like an adult, mm -hmm. that's going to be a different, like when he's in college and when he gets married, when he has his own kids, like this, like the stages of life are going to be so different and I'm going to have to learn how to like parent in whatever season they're in. Yeah. So I think ad adapting to like your kid. Right. Cause you can't really go back. Cause I yeah. was crazy before I had my kids. That was not going to be a good mom. <laughs> you know, I think about that. You not have been I, a good mom. I asked my dad the other day, I said, can you believe I'm a mom? He said, I think about it every day. I can't believe it. I'm like, wow, Same that gives me so much encouragement. But really sometimes I look and I'm like, mm, I'm a parent. Like, it's not just me no more. Like, I'm representing my kid. I saw a post. I'm going to just get a little controversial here. I saw a post where someone had said something about how you represent your child. And I talked about it before, how your children can embarrass you, but you can also embarrass your child. And I will stick by that for the rest of my life. Because just because you're an adult, I mean, that's cool and all. But you can still, like, we tell our kids, like, don't go out there and embarrass me. Don't go out there doing all this, doing all that. But you can embarrass your kid. You're right. I seen. I think I seen the post you seen. That girl was like, how y'all post y'all ass and then post y'all kids? Yeah. Was I was, that the post? I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> I was like. That had Facebook on. <laughs> I had long out. I was like, all right, I've had enough. Facebook was. But I, I mean, had yeah. enough. I was like, post your ass, your kids, just your kids, just your ass. Just go <laughs> on about your day. It had them in a chokehold. But I, I understand what you're saying. And I think that just goes back to, like, like your experience, right? So my kids are, like, small kids, right? Mm -hmm. So they don't really, like, they're not on the Internet. They're not seeing these things. And their friends aren't seeing these things. Mm -hmm. So if I post my ass on the Internet, there would be no backlash for my kids. My six and my three-year-old do not know that my ass is on the internet, right? And their friends don't know my ass is on the internet. Like, so they aren't really affected by that. Now, if I had like, like a 13 or a 14 year old that was on the internet and their mm -hmm. friends were on the internet and they could be like, oh, this your mama's ass. Like then I would revisit, right? Because that is a little bit embarrassed. Like you don't like, like that Freak Neek, um documentary, people like my mama gonna be, like that is embarrassing, okay? But for my kids who aren't on the internet, I feel like, I mean, I'm actually excited about this documentary coming out, y'all. I am so excited. <laughs> Kanye was there with his phone like this. Oh and I gosh. said, oh, I cannot wait until this comes out. That's going to break up some happy homes. That'll break up happy homes. That's going to be, people going to be at Christmas like, Mama, remember, you said Freaknik. <laughs> Mama got a picture of Freaknik. That'll be a really embarrassing Christmas. 
But I think, I guess you're right. You could embarrass your kids. I don't know how we got there, but either way, I, yeah. I we, we usually get... I'm just a rabbit hole. Uh, yeah, and we just keep going. But um, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our speaker, who is our guest speaker. She is amazing. She does so much in the community. There's really not enough words that I could say. Like, legit, like, she's creative. She's caring. She's... I mean, sometimes my therapist, like, I mean, she, no, she's amazing. And truly, we are grateful to have you here and to speak with us. And with that being said, Angelina is arriving. I need to move seats. So. Hi, y'all. What's up? How are you? Hi. Y'all are so cute. Thank you. You're the Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Okay, so like, before y'all we begin talking, I just wanna tell y'all like how proud of y'all I am. Make me cry. Okay, well we cried last time, so just full disclaimer, y'all probably gonna ball like a baby. We cried last time we got together. Um, but I don't think anyone realizes how much you two do for the community. And I realize it, and the people in this room realize it, the people that matter realize it, but you brought up earlier about postpartum. Right, and we talked a little bit about before, like black maternal health and like how important that is and that we all know, like there's this underlying fact rolling out here that we are three times more likely to die from pregnancy related symptoms than our counterparts, but like no one's really tapping into the conversation past a let's do the facts and then we're gonna move on. Mm -hmm. That's literally what's going on and you offer a space for us to talk about it but even share resources with one another about it and form community. So for that, I say thank you. Thank you. Yes. We really appreciate it. Yes. Oh God, I didn't, she didn't start it. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> you got this, you got this. You got it. How are y'all feeling? It's your first live show. I'm gonna try not to cry. Uh, why? <laughs> but why? Because we started out at my kitchen table with a broken tripod. And when you really look, you know, I was like, I want a space where we can, um, we can record. And we never really talk about Natalie, but Natalie's here, you know, holding the camera, doing her thing. She's but amazing. we love Natalie. But Natalie really makes stuff happen. Yeah. And she's really, most of the time, the brains behind us. But um, no, we started out at our kitchen table and with a tripod that was broke and we had to hold the phone up sometimes and you know to to look at where we are now you know it's a blessing so i think i just in this moment i don't have any words because i'm like dang this is crazy what's up absolutely insane um i know when adriana we before we got to the kitchen adriana was like we should start a podcast and i was like ain't nobody gonna listen to us <laughs> It's like, hey, John, no one's going to listen to us, but I'm always down for good shenanigans. So I was like, sure, whatever, we'll do it. Right. And then, like she said, like a year later, like just being able to like sit in the space and like share like the knowledge, share the space with like other creatives to share their knowledge is like, like she said, like you don't have any words for that because it's like, it feels good. <laughs> um, doing the work, it feels good. It's tiring, though. Like we were talking about that before, like, so for me, I'm a spoken word artist and I started writing when I was nine or 10 because this little boy used to write me letters. 
<laughs> this little boy, I had the juice back then, let me tell you. No, um, he used to write me letters, but they were poems. I don't know how I get into these spaces with these men who are creative, but he used to write me poems every Wednesday. Loved it. So this little girl took the poem and made fun of it. Made, and I think that was the first time like I was like, F love, this ain't right. Like, this is not cool. Um, but I fell in love with poetry. And so um, I believe that I put in years for the craft to get paid for it. I'm highly believing in that and I advocate for that and I make sure that happens um, because that's, I, I put in the work to do that. But there's also other sides of Angelina who's new and won't mind, you know, doing that time, you know, not getting compensated with money, but with other things. And then when you reach to a level like you guys are, where you learn compensation is more than a dollar bill, that's probably gonna be crypto anyways. Um, <laughs> You learn that there's more to life, right? And that's the type of work that y'all are doing. It's the, it's, the it's the quality. It's not the quantity of it. And it's something so fulfilling about it, you know? And if it, I was talking to someone this week, like, I know right now it's probably, like, so difficult. You're like, what in the world? Why am I doing this? Why did I say yes to that? Why did I say, okay, I'm gonna do this too? <laughs> Even though I know the last three things I'm not gonna do, all the way until the very last minute. I'm talking oh to myself. Sorry, I'm <laughs> but like, yeah, yeah. But, like, text me, can you yes, like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Like, I'm going to show up. But there's some people that we still show up. Um, we still make it happen, even when we don't realize how we made it happen. And it's those seeds that you planted when you were doing stuff for free that you literally reap a benefit bigger than a dollar bill ever would have. So if you feel discouraged about anywhere that you are right now, I don't care if it's at a job, I don't care if it's at a nonprofit, I don't care if you're at home, if you're discouraged about where you are like right now, it is the process, it's the refining, it is the pressure. It is the little pressure that makes diamonds, so just keep going. I just wanted to share that with y'all, like just keep going. Y'all about to cry? Please don't. Oh no, I was okay. gonna, I was gonna say it's the village too. Listen, it and is, that's it that's the top. Did you see what I did there? Did y'all see what I did? I did. Y'all saw what I did. Okay, I did. cool. I saw it. Um, but yeah, so that's what we're talking about today. But it does, it does also take you know people in your corner such as you. Like you know, when I first saw you perform, I was like, oh my gosh, she is amazing. And this is my first time performing. Me? For real. Oh my gosh! Wait a minute. No, 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 no. I'm no. in retirement. I no. just, I just came out today. I'm so sick of this because I, she's gonna. You're coming. Like, we got to figure this out. Like, what's? It's okay. It's all right. You're not. You're coming back. I'm coming back. You coming slowly, back? Slowly, yeah, but you're surely. Back. But mothers need villages. Yes. I think the. I think what happens is when people mention the word village, they automatically think about babysitters, and that's not what we mean. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't need you just to babysit my kid because there's a lot of people in Lynchburg moms that I could vet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like, there's babysitting sites. Like, when I say I need a village, like I need someone to pour my cup. But sometimes I may just need you to come over and just listen. Just listen to me vent. And sometimes I need you to come over and encourage me. Sometimes I don't need you to come over at all. Invite me out somewhere, like make space for me. Um, we, like outside, all the way outside. Um, I think that villages are important. I, I build my life off of trying to be the village my mother never had. I build everything I can because I believe if my mother had the village that she had, she would have been able to raise me. She would have had the tools and the resources where like 
my mother not being able to raise me and my father not being able to raise me, that, that was very difficult. But I truly believe like if she had a village, if she had people she could just call on and not just to watch the kids, but to say, hey girl, like what do I do? In healthy ways of getting through it. Not like the, the substance abuse and not, you know, the craziness. I don't know if she was at Freak Nick, I don't know. We'll but see. I don't know, she, she might be cut from that cloth, but if she would have had those things in place for her, she probably would have been able to be um, more successful in the, as being a mother as she wanted to be. And I just think that as women, and as specifically black women, we are expected to just take and take and just have everyone's baggage, everyone's need. Um, and I don't think that's right. But I think the, the reason why that is still an expectation is because of the years that we have taken it. Because of the years that we have taken care of the entire family, not just our kids, but their kids, and then sister's kids, and then my younger brother. Like, it's just a whole mix. And so without a proper village, there's no way that we're gonna be able to do that, especially in today's world. Right, I think, I think the work is just like too hard. I think when we're not gonna get too controversial, but when black men started leaving the home for whatever reason, they left, um, we had to do it, like you said. Like we, like we couldn't just leave, like daddy was gone, so we had to step up and do that, and then we found out we were good at it, right? Like we were raising kids to be decent people, so we were like, oh, well we can just do it on our own, right? Mm -hmm. So then my, black men voluntarily was like, well you can do it on your own, then do it, right? So now we're at a point where it's like, we're expecting them to show up, but then we show up, right? So then he's like, I'm not gonna do it because you're gonna do it, right? I am in my soft era. Even if I can do it, I don't do it. Come, come and do it for right. me, right? <laughs> but I think, and I think that's what a lot of men need because a lot of men, like they say, I don't want an independent woman. And I'm like, you're right, I'm, I'm totally, come, come do this, right? Mm -hmm. Because they need that to feel fulfilled, right? Not all men, yeah. not all men. The ones I like to, but nevertheless, some of them, <laughs> nevertheless, some, but, and I think that puts them in a place to be like, like, you know, in, into it, right? If you say like, I need you for this and you, like I said, and you have someone that feels fulfilled that way. If you have somebody that doesn't want to be needed, then that's yeah. not going to work. But back to the household. We do it so well that people expect us to do it. And even though it's hard, like it was probably hard in the 80s, right? But our moms didn't have the resources, like you said, that we have, right? So they sat at home and they struggled with postpartum for two years, three years, four years. And they didn't have the internet or someone to say, someone to just say like, you're doing a good job, right? And You're doing a good job. You're doing a very good job. You're doing a great job. Yes. But it's okay. But it's okay, but it's okay because this is a safe space to do that. This is a safe space. <laughs> we didn't take them before. Remember, we said we'll take them before. Yeah, we took them before. We took them before. But I think like just having 
someone to say like you're doing a good job or to bring you something over to your house can mean yeah. the world to, to some moms. And that is where the village comes in, right? Yeah. Like Angelina said, people think that having a village is me want to go out on a Friday night and shake my ass, right? And sometimes it might be. Like sometimes yeah, I might need you to yeah. come pick my kids up so I can go shake my ass. But not every <laughs> But not every time. Like, I need people to, like, show up at the park because the park is, like, a boring place to be. Like, I hate the park. They need, like, TVs. Girl, no. I need someone. Listen. At the park. I need someone to help me run after Jiraiya at the park. That's really what I need. So if any of y'all want to come along, it's that one. It's that second one. I'm telling you. But, yes, sorry. Like, I'm for Like, I need people to. Because they only have benches. Like, there's nothing for us to do at the park. And I'm just sitting on the bench like this. Like you said. And every, every. Every couple seconds, I got to get up and get my kid, and then I come back to the bench, and it's so boring there, and the kids are having the time of their life, and I'm like, I'm just want to go home. But I, you're like having people to come and sit at the park, having someone to like come over and, like you said, talk. Um, those are the kind of villages that we need to build, and I don't know if we have like a blueprint for that. No, no, because I think. When it comes to villages, what people don't realize is in order to have an effective one, you have to have one that's not all like-minded. As long as that foundation is set, like there's some basic things like this is how I discipline my kids, this is what I want them to be exposed to, this is what I need. People just be around people don't even realize how they're even, I'm just saying, like I'm very particular in what I expose my children to. And I'm not saying I'm a snob, but what I'm saying is like if I know my sons can be exposed to something traumatic when they're around you, baby, they're not coming around you. Like that's really what it is because that's a part of the village. And so it's important for your village to share those same, those same qualities. Like there's some things like that's just not gonna happen. But I also think just like when you were talking about, you know, what men want and what we want in those relationships, like we don't talk about the relationships that we built with our village, like the ones we call our sisters. And like, we even have our own love languages and things that we like. Like I know what my friends like, some of them like words of affirmation, some of them like to be hugged. I'm not a hugger, but I'll hug you sometimes. Like I've hugged y'all. I think I've hugged almost everyone in this room. I will hug y'all, but that is a limit. Um, or gifting, and so you have to know that too. Cause like, I wanna come over, like if you, if now that I know that you like someone just to bring you over something, I'm gonna go cook something and I'm gonna bring it to you. Yes, and like, that's really important. So that's a part of just building friendship at your villages and that's so healthy for the kids to see. Like, so amazing for the, like amazing memories of just playing with your play cousins or like your real cousins and it's just a healthy situation. Two parent household or not, it's just a very healthy situation. I think you made like a good point because I thought about it today and Tasha always says, she's like, I'm not raising just my kids. I'm raising a friend. I'm raising a coworker. I'm raising, this is what I'm raising. And I thought about it today. I was like, what is the village that my son is going to see? Because that's how he's going to learn what he can accept and what he can't accept. Because the people that we have in our village, our children see that. You know, they see if you get mistreated. They see if someone's disrespecting you. They see those types of things. And so I think about that and I'm like, dang, I mean, everybody's not perfect and every relationship is not going to be perfect. But I want my son to know what healthy relationships look like, what it looks like that somebody's supporting you and when it looks like somebody's being fake to you. You know, and then mama's always going to have to call it out. But that's okay. That's okay. Because little Bobby ain't nice. You might think little Bobby nice, but little Bobby ain't nice. Stay away from yeah, stay away from the Bobby. But either way, I don't know if anybody named Bobby, but either way, um, you know, 
<laughs> Sorry if your name, your baby name is Bobby. Um, but yeah, and something else you told me a while ago, it was like, you can't be the village by yourself. Mm-mm. And that has stuck with me because every time somebody try to ask me to do something like, wait a minute, hold on, let me check my calendar. Because so <laughs> so, Y'all, I am so proud of her. I am so proud of her because you can't. Yeah. Like, why are we around here, like, still carrying our bags? Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not carrying everyone else's. I have enough. Yeah. And I put mine down, so we're not doing that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, you. Can, I can't carry everything. And I had to realize that. Like, even Jordan, um, Jordan's my boyfriend from everybody doesn't know, so when I say Jordan. Um, but even with Jordan, he's like, Adrian, you need help with that? You need help with that? I just started saying yes. Like, especially with Kyle. Like, I'm just like, you know what? I can do everything. Like y'all had talked about, like, we just feel like we can do it all. And like, yeah. I mean, let's be real, we can't, but we don't have to. We can't. We can too, but we don't don't have to. You know, like, why? Why do I I have to? Why do I need to take on everyone's responsibility and everyone's thing? Like, I'm a human. Mm -hmm. I'm also a human. Like, no, we're, we're not doing that. I always take things back to history, but I'm a firm believer that slavery is the mindset, the trauma is still there. Oh, you, that, listen, listen. All right, I'm gonna plug y'all in. I'm gonna plug y'all in right now. There is the seventh annual um, racial um, conference going on this weekend. Okay, the first part started tonight. The second part's tomorrow. They're doing an entire series, and I'm doing one on black maternal health, structural racism, and implicit bias. The way that the systems are set up. The way the systems are set up is literally so structural racism can be the gear and the catalyst to still keeping us in those certain spaces. So like when you start talking about, you know, the black man being out of the home, systematically they made it so the black man couldn't come back. That's a real thing. That is a about real thing. We can talk about thing. the crack epidemic. We can talk about um, how they were sold. And so when you talk about the effects of slavery on right now, the, the, one of the main reasons, or one of the ways that are connected to the reasons why black maternal health is such a social justice issue now is because of the way we were treated as black women during slavery. Because we were expected to have kids and be right back in the field. We were expected to have kids, and a lot of, what was it, like maybe three out of seven infants died during slavery, because we're expected to go back to the field, not tend to the kid. And then we were raped. And then we were, I mean, so mistreated that we, we could take it all. So literally there are studies out there where people of, like non-people of color believe that black people literally are genetically made to take more pain. There are studies out there that there are people, non-people of color, who believe that we are genetically able to take more pain. So yes. That's a, I'm sorry, like that is a real that is a real thing for me because to know that on both spectrums there is a, the systems are made up to make sure that a number of us don't make it out of those hospitals is crazy to me. It is crazy to me. So that's why postpartum and the conversation around postpartum and black maternal health is so prevalent right now because we didn't want to say anything because we were taught that we can take it all. Like, not only are you controlling what we can and can't do with our bodies, but you're also going to, like, systematically control what I can do with my health care. No, you're not. That's why midwives are important. That's why, you know, home births or list, there's one right here right now. She can tell you about it. She did, her, she, she did a home birth. It's, it's a real thing, getting back to your roots of it. I could have a whole, if y'all not doing it tomorrow, I'll be at um, University of Lynchburg. Like, I have, I have a whole hour. I am so ready. Yeah. 
No, it's a it's it is a real conversation because like you think back like when you said that, you know, we had babies, we weren't back right back into the field. Like, I mean, when I had Kyle was like, you know what, I'm gonna get up. It's fine. I don't need to sit right here. What am I sitting down for? Like, let me go. I mean, everything hurting, but either way, you know, I'm gonna try to walk, I'm gonna try to limp, but those types of things I think are just ingrained yeah. in us and that trauma is still there. And so when I look at um what am I trying to say? When I look at especially black parents who may not take care of their children and stuff like that, I'm not making excuses, but I'm like, dang, that that's just I'm I'm having a brain fog. What am I trying to say? Somebody help me. I don't know. I don't know. Mom, mom. Was it the conversation? Like, no, wait, wait, wait. I think I got it. So, so I think one of the things is too, though, because I was reading the 1619 Project, and they talked about how, you know, during slavery, they would never know if they were going to have their kids the next day because the kids were just being sold off. They had no, con no control on if their kids would be still with them. So not only were they having these kids at alarming rate, but they're having to raise them super fast. And the next day, your little son, your daughter, they could just be on the, ch on the block and gone. And so you get into um, that abandonment mentality. And that's where the, oh, you grown by almost 16 comes in because in the back of your mind, you're almost like, I'm not gonna have them anyways because it's literally engraved from slavery. That's a real thing. Um, and it even goes into the money concept. And if you think about it like in more um, terms of being like more equality driven, that sometimes people have an issue with money that they spend it because they think something's gonna come take it anyways. That's the same type of cycle. So I think what you were trying to say is a little connected to that. I think I. She should have been outside. I think that slavery plays like a really big role, and I don't think we. I don't. I think we didn't have enough time to recover from slavery mm, before girl. like the crack epidemic hit because crack did in the 80s what heroin and like opioids are doing You're to right like now. middle aged white men, yeah. right? And not to say that I don't feel bad for those families and those people, but when people talk to me about opioids and heroin, I'm like, y'all did not have this care and this compassion for those young black boys who were selling on the streets in the 80s. Like there was no like, oh, we gotta get this off the streets for us. Yeah. We didn't have that in well, the Well, I think that's cause, <clears throat> they, okay, thank you, I was gonna say, it. it's because, because that, that was also a systematic thing put in right. place because those drugs ended up in those communities. And I could say something about it, okay? Cause my parents were users, so listen, I'm full, Listen, I, I have the right to. Those things were placed in those communities for a reason. And so unless we're gonna have people and platforms really talk about that, like I, I, I love the fact that we have things in place to help the opioid epidemic. I work, I I, 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 I I work alongside but. them. I work alongside them, but those are also the rooms where these conversations have to get in. Like I get that because I'm a baby of this. And so that's that's where you go and you do the work because they don't realize that because to them that's their first level of trauma we we've been dealing with it but unless we're willing to forever. yeah unless we're willing to meet and be like all right here we go because now not only are we dealing with the opioid epidemic but we're dealing with the consequences of these people who were on crack having kids and traumatizing them literally. Like, there are so Literally. many crack babies. And people say, like, born in the 80s, crack babies. Like, eight, people who are born in the 80s are, like, what, 30? 
40. Like these are not like old people. Like these are our parents, right? So like, not even that. friends that's what i'm saying like so like it's not something that is like so far off like because people try to use these oh well slavery is so far off like the 80s was literally like 40 years ago like it really was not that long where we had this trauma like you said where they were pulling black men out of the home whether they were in jail or they were on the streets daddy was not there yeah right so you had these mothers who had to step up and do these things like i said i sometimes i can do so much stuff but like i said why would i yeah. Because I don't have to. No. We're going to break the stigma and we're going to live a soft life. Yeah. No, I don't want to do all the things. Cause I'm already tired. I'm going to be truthfully honest. Like, I'm exhausted. Absolutely exhausted. Yeah. I went to sleep at 8 o'clock last night. Oh, for real? I did. Golly, man. That would feel great. I, I ain't been to sleep at 8 o'clock since I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I haven't, because, like, I usually I'm up, and I'm, like, yeah. doing stuff, and I'm, like, you know, just watch, I want to watch some TV. But last night, I got up in that bit, and I was, like, yeah, I'm going clock you, it out. Oh, my God. You know what I was just thinking? Because we're, we're talking about villages, and I was thinking, just like you say, you, that you're ready to live that soft girl era, right? So let's really think about it. If you're ready to live that, and I'm ready to live that, because, yes, Lord, I'm ready to live that. And we mend ourselves and we submit to our men why when are we going to become more open to listening to another woman as a sister like no let's be real let's be real like when are we going to become open to someone having a contradicting view on something and y'all figure it out together versus just fighting because i think that's a real thing in villages too like sometimes there's one that comes in thinking they do know a little bit more than the other without understanding the backstory as to why i don't or do do these things with my kids or i don't and i do expose them to these things and instead of being you know butting heads about it it's more of an iron sharpener iron situation and i think sometimes that gets in the way of things as well so building those friendships like when is that going to change? Because I think that is, that is a real issue. I don't know if y'all have experienced, not experienced, but have seen that. I think, mm, you got a story, because you, like, you got a story. She like you got a story. You she, got a story. You got a story. I just want to say, all my best friends from middle school ain't here. <laughs> and one from kindergarten. So I don't, I've never, like me and Tasha have been friends since middle school. I mean, we, we've had them fights in the group chat, but I mean, I don't know. Like, I think, I think it's also about, because we all have different perspectives on things. Yeah. We all have a different stage of life. Mm-hmm. But I know I can call any one of them at any time, whether one or two I can call maybe if I have to fight. I'm not going to fight. They'll fight for me. But either way, either way, either way, I got one that's going that checks on me all the time yeah. and make sure I'm straight. So I've never known, now I, I, you know, I've had somebody do me wrong, but I've never, I've never, <laughs> but I've never really like had that. So I can't really, I can't really speak on it. No, I was just trying to like say that. I mean, I really don't have a, I don't have a story. No, but I, don't like, have a story, I, but I, think, I have an understanding. So okay. I think, um, in life and like within like the last couple of months i've just underst i've tried to understand other people's realities which helps me with communication and that exact topic right so for me to understand where you're coming from i have to listen and i have to step into that right so like you said there are people who don't want their kids around guns right so that so if i say well, I don't care if I'm a buy them a gun anyway, but the reason that you don't want them to have guns is because you've experienced gun violence. Mm-hmm. 
Like, if I could step into that reality and say, I understand that you don't want your kids around guns because you experience gun violence, right? And to respect that mm -hmm. is something that I had to learn myself because I was one of the people, I knew everything. And if I knew it, then you was gonna know it. But <laughs> and you was gonna know that I knew it. But I think stepping, like being able to just say like, okay, I'm not the only person in the world. And I'm also not the only person that has had life-defining experiences. So to just, to learn to respect someone's opinions and realities is something that I didn't have for quite a while. This is not a story, it's just an observation. Um, so <laughs> I think, I also, <laughs> I also think that a lot of the, the people that you're talking about don't come into spaces like this. Because ooh, already ooh, ooh, run it back, run it back, run it back from me one I'm more time. The truth. I don't remember what she said. That, no, I'm gonna tell you what she said. She okay. said, I'm gonna tell you what she said because it was good. People that experience spaces like that, people that go through things like that, don't come to spaces like this. Yeah, they probably sitting at home like oh, I, they they don't come to spaces like this. That that's the no that's that's a real thing. I mean, yeah, because like if you already like that type of person, mm -hmm. right? You're not gonna put yourself in a space where you know that you're not gonna agree with anything that anybody has, so you don't have that open mind. Mm -hmm. Like I I personally, you know, you can have those conversations with people, but I don't really waste my breath with people like that because you're not gonna come in here and affect my peace. Because we are not about to sit here and argue about something that, you know, I may think is right, you may think is wrong. I argue every day in my job. I am not about to sit here and argue with you about, but that's just me. That's just me protecting what I know. But at the same time, like I said, people don't come into these types of spaces where you have that open conversation or what it is is people don't like being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Too many people are comfortable where they're at or they're comfortable with what they know and they don't want to expand to something different. Mm -hmm. So I think it is also with comfortability. I like being uncomfortable. I think it's nice. Either way, I'm protecting my peace at the same time, but you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like to be comfortable. I think I, think I, I liked being uncomfortable for so long that it felt normal, right? Because I always wanted to do something, right? But I'm telling you, I'm about, I'm about soft as I don't know what these days. I'm living my soft life. Like, I think the episode that we recorded with you a couple mm -hmm. months ago, I would say, I'm not crying. I'm not a crier. I don't never cry. And here I am up here crying. That's just First how I told you how, like, you. soft I am these days. <laughs> I did. I was like, mm, how dare y'all cry? <laughs> but for real, like, I'm just like, and I think that's that just comes from, like, like I said, just being uncomfortable for so long and making it like the norm and just realizing that I don't have to always be uncomfortable. Like there are spaces, like you said, like when you protect your peace, there are spaces where I don't have to feel uncomfortable. Like my intimate spaces, the people I have around me, the people that like I allow in my house because can't everybody come to my house. Mm -hmm. um, like that should be like a sense of comfort for yeah. me. Right, and I don't know how we got here. I told you I'm a real rabbit hole kind of person, but soft this is my soft year and all the years after all of them all of them why can't you be soft just let it go what just let it go let just let the hardness go <laughs> i don't think she's hard i don't think she's hard i think that, that no i don't think she's hard i think she's cautious i think i'm a little aggressive i'm an aggressive person oh, oh i haven't met that side of you i wouldn't know uh, okay. praise god she's not aggressive is not she thinks sprite is spicy that's a hard drink for her. Yeah, so that tell you how hard she is. <laughs>